So if you would like a Bible to follow along with, we have them available at all of the corners of the sanctuary. And our scripture text this morning for World Hunger Sunday is 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 15. And that can be found on page 140 in the second set of page numbers. So 2 Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For, as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints, and this not merely as we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you. So we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you, who began last year, not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means." For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, The one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, as we dwell on your word this morning, I pray that your spirit would be working in and among us. Give us ears that hear and hearts that receive. Help us be open to your change in our life as you seek to form us to be more and more like your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So really, as I was listening to Sharon's children's message, I was like, well, we can just kind of go home because you summed it up so well. (laughs) I was like, all right, there we go. That's, (laughs) you nailed it. (laughs) We give what we have and others give what they have and we've got enough. But we are going to spend a little bit more time in the text this morning. So when we look at this text, at first glance, 
it can kind of look like a training manual on how to get people to give money. You flatter them a little. We see the, you excel in everything. And then you give them an example of someone else who was really generous. And you say, you guys are pretty great. I bet you can also be great in the same way these other people were. So be generous as they were generous. And don't forget, God is generous. So if you love God, you'll be generous. But that's not only Paul's intent. Paul does have the explicit intent of wanting them to give money. But it's not for his own benefit. As he mentions in here, they themselves had the desire. They said, we want to start something. And then a year has passed, and they haven't completed it. I think that's something we can all relate to. Great intentions are a good start, but the follow-through is a little harder sometimes. And so Paul has sent Titus back to them to help them complete this good work. And he's giving them encouragement because he knows that it's not easy work. He doesn't take it lightly that giving of your money to support others is sometimes hard. In a time where you could be the one in need tomorrow if something happens, you have to be somewhat cautious of how much of your abundance you give away. But that's where Paul paints this really beautiful picture of the Christian community. And that's where I want us to focus this morning. Is he says, you give when you have abundance. You don't have to give more than you have. You give what you have, and that is enough. And you don't have to be anxious about it. Because when you are in need, you can trust that this community that you have supported will in turn support you. And that's a really beautiful picture. But we also know it's not enough. Because we all live in reality where we all know that there's not always that equal give and take. And Paul knows that his readers are going to know that too. That to say, don't worry, give generously and then others will give generously in return isn't always going to hold true. So they're going to hear that. They're going to want to believe it. The enthusiasm they had is going to be stirred up a little. But it's not quite enough. There's something missing. And we get a hint of it when we look at the story he tells about the churches in Macedonia. And Stan Mast sums it up in this equation. Um, I have a slide for it. So Stan Mast, what the churches in Macedonia did, he says, this is what Paul is telling the church in Corinth. He says, the churches in Macedonia had severe trial, and they added to it extreme poverty, But they had this overwhelming joy, and that made them richly generous. That just doesn't make sense. 
And yet it happened. Paul knows that what he's asking of the church in Corinth is going to be difficult. And yet he says, look, here are these other churches that are living in such a way that doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. If you only think about it from a worldly point of view. But that's where Jesus comes in. Because Paul says, don't forget, Jesus, son of God, who had all of the riches of the universe, gave it all up, gave everything up, gave up all of his power as God when he came to earth, and then gave up his life for us so that we might have rich abundance that is that missing factor so i kind of reworked this a little bit um i (laughs) i was blessed to spend a year teaching um, and i ended up in lower elementary so it's a lot of like simple math and one of the keys that you teach kids is in multiplication, if there is a zero, the end result is zero. You don't even have to think about anything else. You see a zero, you, just, you go to zero. That is the power of zero in mathematics. And that is the power of grace. No matter what X and Y are, no matter how extreme the poverty, how extreme the suffering I mean, these churches that Paul is writing to and about, they were experiencing persecution on a level that we in the West often can't fathom. That is their world. The numbers, the factors working against them were really, really high. But then grace enters the equation. And that just cancels everything else out. When you truly understand what it meant for Jesus to give up everything to bless us, that changes your heart. But that has to come first. Before money, before donations, before any outward generosity on our part, we see, as Paul tells us, you have to give yourself to God. You have to truly receive the gift of grace from God. You have to dwell in that. You have to incorporate it so deeply into your heart that it transforms you. And then we have hope that we can change things. I really like the slogan they had this year, where hunger tastes hope. And as I was reflecting on it in light of this passage, it really made me think of how hunger is more than just physical. Certainly there is physical hunger around the world, and World Renew is doing a lot of work to try to address that. But World Renew also knows that there's other hunger. We see it in this passage. There's a hunger for knowledge. There's a hunger for love for community, 
for a sense of security. And there's a hunger for the grace of God. All of these things can feel so big. And that's where I love that they don't say where hunger is solved, where hunger is fed. But it's where hunger tastes hope. As Sharon said, we don't all have to have a full Peter fish. We give what we have. Everybody gives what they have and God multiplies it. Paul tells his readers very clearly, yeah, this one church gave above their means, but you don't have to feel pressured to. Give as you are able, and it is enough. Because we are not alone in this community. We have community. We have Jesus' example of what it means to give it all, and we have his rich blessings, so we get a certain sense of personal security in that. But the beauty of Jesus' sacrifice is also that it brings people around the world together. We are not just individual disciples off on our own. No, we are part of a great cloud of witnesses that spans the globe, that spans time. And together, we can accomplish so much more than we do on our own. The message puts it really well in the last section of this text this morning. And he says, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way. Your surplus matching their deficit and their surplus matching your deficit. We have hope because the grace of God calls not just one, but calls a people, a diverse people with different gifts and different abilities that together can meet needs that feel overwhelming. We saw in that video, the gentleman said he's working really hard so that his children can have education and opportunities that will allow them to give back to the world. Yes, World Renew came into his community and used resources from our churches to help train him. And now his family is learning and growing in ways that is going to enable them down the road to give back, to support others in need. He's already doing that and promoting this training in other communities. There's this ripple effect. And even if on our own, we might not trust it. We might have a little bit of fear of, is humanity really that great? If I give, will others support me when I need it? That X and that Y can seem really big some days. But our hope, the greatest hope, is that grace is in the equation. Grace will always be 
in the equation for us. Jesus came and died. He gave it all up so that we might be abundantly blessed. And the beauty is, is that grace never runs out. We can keep telling more and more people about it so that it spreads, so that it is changing equations around the world. We may never see some of the great societal issues fully solved in our lifetime. But we know that God is a God who loves, a God who is richly generous, and that these are his problems to solve. We're called to be a part of the solution, but we don't have to be the solution because Jesus has entered the equation. He has changed it forever. And he will give us that hope in times of trial, in times of persecution. We will feel those things. That is not to say those go away. But through it all, we know that the grace of God is at work. Let's pray together. Father God, We thank you for your love and for the testimony of your love in Jesus coming to earth, giving it all up that we might receive abundance. Lord, we thank you that in your mercy, you invite us to join you in the work of reconciling your world. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see the injustices around us and give us hearts and feet that are ready to act on your behalf. Lord, we lift up to you all of those who are suffering, who are facing trials and persecution, whose way forward is unclear. Lord, we pray that your spirit would dwell richly upon them, But we also pray, Lord, that news of your love and your grace might be the hope that they need to see that the light will come another day. Lord, we pray that you would be working in our hearts. Transform us to be more like your son. And in times of doubt, help us live generously erring always on the side of generosity. So it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.